Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. It's Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast. We're shining a light on bright ideas today, a brand new company in the consumer products world. I'm so excited to share with you. It's a company called Without a Trace, and on the podcast today is Brooke Navarro, co-founder and CEO. Hey, Brooke, it is so great having you on the ContenderCast. Well, I'm so excited to be here. I really appreciate you taking the time, and I hope that uh, the listeners are just as excited. <laughs> I tell you what, I am excited because, I, as I was sharing with you before we hit record, I love finding new brands that, I've, that I don't know anything about and like cool products that are really addressing a problem in the space, and you guys are absolutely doing that, and I can't wait to unpack this story with you um, today. So let's do this. Um, As I do with all of my guests, I I love to look back before the startup and find some elements of your background that maybe don't line up with like what you're doing today. And and you were in the whole finance world, investment banking, capital markets, you got your MBA in finance. So how did you go from that to starting a business in the consumer products world? Well, I always laugh when people ask me that because I say this is my third career. I love it. Um, which I, I don't, you know, might age me a little bit, but, um, it, you know, it really stems from, I think, growing up. My parents, my parents are self employed. They've run their own business. My dad's been running his own business for almost 60 years. Um, and you know it's hard, but you watch the freedom you have to follow your goals and your dreams and to be able to really have an impact day to day on a business and on a company. And so I knew in the back of my mind, it was something I always wanted to do. Sure. Um, other careers just kind of got in the way uh, for her, you know, a long <laughs> way, but it's, way. you know, yeah, nice. <laughs> that's great. So <laughs> that, I love it. So, um, the third career, I lo- and, and, and we hear that from a lot of entrepreneurs, right? They don't just not everyone was an entrepreneur since college or drop out of college to start a business, and many start with bigger companies and then choose to to make the jump and start your own. So now, talk about without a trace for those who don't know the company, um, new direct consumer company. They're actually just recently launched, but they're offering uh, amazing snack food solutions or, or product, I guess you could say, in the cookies, Power Bite space, granola bars, etc. Um, but you guys have a unique offering. So talk about how you decided to focus in this space and how you decided to actually start a company in this space? Sure. So this is stems from my own uh, personal background. We're a direct-to-consumer manufacturer and distributor of delicious, delicious being key, allergen-friendly <laughs> snacks geared towards children and also their families who are navigating food allergies. So we're free of the top nine allergens, which are dairy, wheat, soy, egg, tree nuts, peanuts, fish, shellfish, and sesame. We're also gluten-free and we're plant-based. We make everything in small batches by hand in our own facility. So we control everything that goes in and out from an allergen standpoint. Um, and you know, our motto is all the awesome, none of the compromise. Love avoiding that. allergens doesn't mean that you have to taste like your food has to taste like you're avoiding something. Right. And this... Yes, it, it really, you can have amazing food, even without all those things I named. People often ask, what, what is in your food? Um, <laughs> yeah, but 
it, it, there are a lot of things out there that you can use. And uh, like I said, it stems from my personal background. So my, my mom has severe food allergies. I have severe food allergies. And now my daughter has severe food allergies. I had this idea long before I had kids. So, um, you know, it's, it's been really a lifelong passion of frustration with, um, you know, anybody who's looked at a food label knows that many times it'll say manufactured in a facility with may contain traces of, sure. um, and I found in particular, um, you know, as you mentioned, having, having been in finance and before that I was in journalism. So I was often on the road, traveling, running somewhere, wanted something to eat that was filling, wasn't a bag of chips that <laughs> right. you know, there was some level of nutrition, um, you know, if you go to a convenience store or you're in the airport or whatever, you know, what is the often, often the thing there, a granola bar or a power bar or something, you know, an energy bar of some sort. And almost all of them said, if they didn't have nuts, I have a tree nut allergy, may contain traces of. Oh my God. Um, wow. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. Um, and so that's really what, what started this, the idea of, hey, let's, let's offer some products that are typically the ones that you might see that labeling on or typically have um, some of the food allergies that people suffer from. You, you have some of that potential cross-contamination or potential ingredients sure. and see if we can offer a, a really tasty alternative for folks. I love that. So, um, and, and by the way, how long did it take you to memorize the top eight allergies? I mean, I don't know. I guess if I had allergies, I'd probably have them memorized as well, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I often I mean, have to count. You rattled those off. You like, count on my fingers. But <laughs> oh, yeah, I usually get to six or seven. I'm like, wait, I missed one. Where, where did it go? I'm so. still stuck at dairy. Um, okay, so anyway, so <laughs> I, I love that. So you obviously you had your own, you know, assault problem to be solved, and and you found challenges in the market. I think the market has, by the way, shifted quite a bit. The food industry has really moved um, towards the space that you're you're in, um, and I think it's still mm-hmm. in the early stages, which is so exciting for you guys so how, but how did you go from okay i want to make food that that doesn't contain the top eight allergens um to actually creating food a food product like did you have experience already in the space did you have advisors in this space like how did you go from idea to step one you know i in a in a very high level no i did not have consumer products or food experience in the operational sense. As you mentioned, I have a finance background. I did, um, in my time in finance, work with a number of companies in the space, both either manufacturers, distributors, um, some direct-to-consumer e-commerce companies. So I had a general sense of of the world and how some of these businesses work, but obviously nothing on an operational standpoint. So, um, you know, when I thought maybe now, maybe I'm really going to do it because as you said, I saw more and more products starting to come to market and I knew like, if I don't do this, I'm going to be forever upset that I, I, I missed the opportunity. Well, and so, um, so hey, real, reaching real quick, out to some folks that I just on yeah. that point though, like I feel like that's the story of a lot of people listening and a lot of people that are listening that have taken the step. You know, they've had an idea and they haven't jumped on it. They didn't do something with it. They thought it would be a great idea, but it's, it's hard to take that initial step. Was that difficult for you? Absolutely right, and it's really scary, and it's unknown, and particularly, you know, it wasn't even something that was all that related to what I was doing. So the approach I took was, let me think of this, I don't want to say as a hobby, but as a, a just a side project to let me just figure out what would this all entail? 
So, you know, weekends, evenings, just talking to people I knew, starting to kind of venture down the path of, hey, is this even possible? So that way, when it came time to say, okay, I'm going to make this leap, it wasn't, I just quit my job and tomorrow I'm, I'm starting at square one. It was, you know, I was already much further along. So totally. it's still risky, but you take some of that risk off the table by kind of you know, having a sense of where you're headed. Got it. Okay, no, that's great. So what was the first step then to getting the, the, the wheels in motion to starting a company? And, and how did you decide on the company name? So, you know, the company name was something I actually had in my mind for many years. This was a company I wanted to start back when I was in business school. Oh. So call it 2007 or so. And all my professors were like, food's really hard. Don't do food. Um, and they're right. I mean, food is hard, <laughs> to be clear. Um, but 2007, I think, was also a different world when it comes to the concept of e-commerce, people buying food online, um, you know, people having direct relationships between a company and their con- their consumer base. You know, the world has definitely shifted. Um and so the name was always kind of hanging around there uh, for many years, thinking about if I ever do this, but you know, this is what I'll do. But I really started talking to people I knew um, who had either done something in consumer products, who had done a startup in consumer products, or who had you know big consumer product or food experience. Just be like, is this totally crazy? Sure. And the answer from all of them was, no, not really. It's not crazy. And by the way, I think it's a really cool idea and I would buy that product. Um, But that was really the first step for people who had that consumer product background to say like, no, it's doable. And they would say, here are, you know, two, three, four things you want to think about. You know, do you want to talk to a lawyer that I know? Do you want to talk to, um, you know, an advisor I know? Just start to kind of put the pieces together so I could build a, a network of people around me who knew a lot more than I did. Sure. Wow. Um, and and did you decide on a specific product to begin with, or were you not sure when you got started what would be the first product? The granola bar. You know, going back to the the you know running through the airport thinking for a, you know, thinking <laughs> right. about a, a snack was always kind of something there. Um, but what I did, because God knows, um, my husband and co-founder and, and my kids would tell you, I'm not a very good cook um and um i'm okay i can follow a recipe but i'm not gonna be you know just throwing stuff in a pot and and making something up at at home so um i actually um had the good fortune of of knowing a a a classmate of mine his wife i knew that she was a professional chef um and quite well established and i called him up and i said hey any chance your wife might know somebody who might be willing to help me out on this? And he said, well, in fact, she just started doing consulting for product development. Let me have wow. you chat with her. Perfect. Um, and so we wanted to bring you her name. Her name is, is Anna Helmbach. So we brought her on. Um, and she, she has a great pedigree. She, you know, has done uh, written cookbooks, um, has worked for a lot of national publications, national TV doing food. And so um, I said, here's what I want to do. Here's the list of ingredients we can't have. <laughs> what do you think? Right. Um, now go. <laughs> and go so figure she it out. came up with, with some of these. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Um, so, so there were pro- products that I, she really was like, hey, what about this? Do you think about that? You know, and that's kind of how we, we added to the granola bars. 
so got it so she she was instrumental in helping to uh, say map out a recipe what about the next step which is going from that to an actual bar and then an actual bar that tastes good (laughs) and then the next step which is how do we get it manufactured so people can like buy it right I, I love how you, you laid it out. Like it was very clean steps, you know, step A, step B. <laughs> I know it's not so simple, but you know. <laughs> right, right. No, it, it's, it's a bit of a whirlwind, right? And you, you sure. work on something for a little while and then you're like, oh, wait, what about this? And what about that? And so, you know, it was all a little bit in tandem, some fits and starts. I mean, product development, I think, you know, really went on for some time. Um, you know, she would make things, send it to us. We'd try it. We'd had feedback. We'd have other people try it, more feedback. Um, you know, really our goal was for it to be delicious for people who don't have dietary restrictions, right? It's one thing if you've never been able to eat X, Y, and Z, and then we give you something and you're like, yeah, that's not bad for a cookie that doesn't have <laughs> right. eggs and butter in it. Right versus giving it to somebody who normally eats that and was like, yeah, that's a pretty good cookie. Right. Um, not and saying, we wanted the latter. Right. I got it. Okay. Exactly. That makes sense. So, so that went on in the background. Um, I continued to reach out to people I knew, um, was lucky enough um, to have some people who put me in contact with other um, food, you know, startup entrepreneurs who said, you know, Hey, I know this person knows something about packaging. You should talk to them. Got it. I know somebody knows something about this. And so we, that's kind of, you know, how I would have those conversations and learn. And, um, you know, on the manufacturing point, we eventually decided we were going to do it in our own facility. Um, because, you know, as you know, coming from the consumer product industry, right, most food is made in a, a co-packing facility totally. or a co-manufacturing facility in the U.S. Um, there aren't a lot that are allergen-friendly. There's a few, but not many. Um, they tend to be very specific on um, which items they can do, so they couldn't do all of our items. Um, and quite frankly, I think from a consumer trust standpoint, for us, um, you're using a co-packer you're still handing some of that trust over to a third party, right? right. Um, You know, I can tell you every day what's going on in our facility. Um, You know, I, I, I laugh at a coworker, couldn't believe I was, a former coworker, couldn't believe I was doing this, but you know, we don't allow any outside food or drink in our facility. Um, Just, you know, even if it is allergen free, we're not going to allow it in. And so I eat lunch, usually in my car in the parking lot. <laughs> right. um, that's funny. And one of my former car workers was like, I can't believe that that's what you're doing now. And I said, yeah, you know, but the, that's what you got to do. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, I hope that our, our customers understand, you know, our dedication to what we're doing um, and how, you know, how much we're focused on both the, the taste and the integrity of the product. How long did it take from, just give us a sense for timing from when you decided, you know what, this is, this has been fun. Now I'm really going to, we're going to explore this to having the first product in hand that, you know, was packaged and and potentially saleable. I think it's probably almost two years. Yep. Um, I would caveat that, put a little asterisk that, um, co- you know, with COVID, I think, you know, these past few months, things have been a little bit you know, bumpy in terms of timing. Just the overall, we know supply chains globally have had some issues. Um, 
So, you know, if anybody stayed at home and going, ooh, two years uh, for a food product. You know, oh, no. I, I, I think I that's... Say, and, and, no, a lot of people on the there's probably there's two groups of people listening. One that are going, yeah, I could see that. The two year took us two years or a year and a half, whatever. And then others going, what? Two years? Wait, I mean, <laughs> you know, like two groups. <laughs> yeah, it, right. And some of that too was the whole idea that I was working on this. You know, like I said, as initially a side as hustle. a side project. A side you know, I wasn't doing sixty hours a week on right. it, so I totally could have accelerated some. Of it. Some things just take time. They do take time. Yeah. It takes time to get things figured out. I mean, it is not easy to make a food product that people will eat, let alone one that doesn't have peanuts, tree nuts, milk, eggs, wheat, soybean, shellfish, <laughs> fish, or, oh, by the way, no sesame. Um, <laughs> so, hey, I named, I named all of them. Um, exactly. So, exactly. Got it. Okay. And then I also noticed that you guys um, have cookies and power bites and then a subscription box but i mean talk about did did you decide hey we're gonna go out with more than just a granola like how did you decide we're gonna add more products that make sense absolutely right and it was something we spent a lot of time thinking about right obviously from an operational standpoint a cost standpoint etc but Ultimately, for us, this is more than selling a product. I think you probably know this from your background, right? Some companies come out and you're like, mm, "That's not really a company. They're they're just they're just selling a single product, that's right? right. That's a product, not a company, right?" We wanted to be <laughs> so. a, a trusted brand and really be a brand where people look at it and say, "Oh, I know that brand. I know." that their promise is they're free at the top nine and they're gluten-free and this, and okay, I can grab that. I don't even need to read the label. Um, because for people who have to read labels all the time, it, you know, it, it's weirdly freeing when you don't have to. Totally. Um, and we wanted people to, to have that experience. Um, and if you just offer granola bars, well, okay, great. I mean, that's better than nothing, but we wanted it something where, you know, we have these initial products, we have some others we'd like to introduce down the line, uh, where people, you know, look at us as the, the snack brand that they can trust and they can turn to. And that was important to us to have multiple products. So, um, you find, uh, you decide to produce product in house and, you know, did talk about the iterations you had to go through to get product right. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> I loved it. Hesitation. <laughs> I mean, not everybody understands this process. That's why I think it's fun to talk about because, again, I think people think, yeah. why don't I just throw some no, things together I, in a bar and smush it and it tastes good, like, and then try to go. Like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so after we worked with Anna and we got to a point where we felt like this is a product we really liked, it was really delicious. We had had, you know, dozens and dozens of people taste it and say, yeah, okay. Then I sat there and went, okay, well, I'm a finance person. You know, right. what you, I know I can't just take these cookies and throw them in a package and sell them. Um, and that's when I, you know, started to learn about the world of food scientists, food consultants, this sure. entire industry that I think most people, you know, if you're not in this, you, you don't know. Um, and so we did work with a, a food scientist slash consultant who's been in the industry for about 30 years to, um, you know, really help just take those recipes and, and commercialize them and say, okay, here's something that you can actually produce on mass scale. Here's how you can actually source um ingredients and, sure. and you know work with suppliers and understand you know 
where the supply chain is and things like that. Um, so we worked with, with them as well and kind of transformed those initial recipes um, into what you you see today if you, you eat our products. Yep. Um, chewy granola bars. I, I like these two flavors, strawberry surprise and cinnamon swirl. That's they sound yummy. And then of course the cookie, the soft chocolatey chip and, um, then the power bites. I mean, they just look really yummy. Um, so was, but as you were going through the product development process, was there ever a time when you're like, Oh, that tastes awful. Like that can't ever, we, we, we have to start over. Oh, it was in the start over. I don't mean start over, but like uh, that version is not going in the package. <laughs> yeah. The, you know, I'd say more than the flavor. Like sometimes the flavor, you're like, yeah, it's okay. You know, or there's something weird about it, but it really is a texture thing. Oh, um, from, you know, a gluten-free cookie is, is often very grainy right. um, because gluten makes things nice and chewy. And right. so a lot of cookies, particularly my husband would be like, that, no, that tastes like sand in my mouth. Like, no, we're <laughs> not going with that. Um, so there was a lot of that. And then on the, the granola bars, right, I, we really wanted a chewy granola bar because I have small children and this is for kids. Totally. And anybody who has kids knows that they they leave a trail of crumbs. I mean, I don't understand how I vacuum and then the crumbs are there 30 minutes later. Um, So we knew a chewy bar that wouldn't leave crumbs everywhere would be great. Um, But when chewy can cross the line into hard as rock really quickly. Ah, Uh, interesting. Okay. There, there was a lot of, I'm like, well, that's pretty tough. And, you know, every once in a while we give one to, to one of my kids and they would look at us and they'd be like, uh, no. <laughs> the <laughs> ultimate test. <laughs> um, that's, yeah, that's, so that, cool. that's when you knew. And then, when the kids are like, that's too hard, mommy. And I'd be like, okay, good. Not, not working. <laughs> no, thank you. So, okay. And we've talked a bit about, and we, you know, we don't have enough time to cry cover so many details of just developing product, but on the packaging side, how did you figure out, okay, you know, you're making product here in your own facility. How do you get it into the wrappers and boxes and whatnot? How did you solve for that? <laughs> um, <laughs> I think anybody who <laughs> who has done a consumer product, you know, it's, it, it, it's interesting. I've talked to obviously a lot of entrepreneurs along the way, and anytime I talk to somebody else, do something similar to me in terms of a food startup, and I would say something bad, and then the packaging, and before I'd even you know finish the sentence, they go, oh, <laughs> it, it's kind of the collective sigh from right. everyone. <laughs> Um, it is so challenging. Uh, you know, the, you think the, the product and the flavor development is, is hard, but the packaging, um, and I think it's because you're trying to fit together a lot of pieces. It's right. You know, does it work for the product? Just, you know, does it hold the product? Does it keep the product fresh? But then you also have to think about from a shipping standpoint, right? Does it protect right. it in shipping? Is it something where, it, you know, you're, it's not just to keep it fresh, but it's also to keep it in the shape and the, the form that you want it to. And then obviously cost and thinking about totally. what is cost effective. Um, so you're trying to move all those pieces together. And then build a brand. And, I mean, truthfully, I think, 
Right. Yeah. And, and I think truthfully, anybody who does this or singing, you know, and it doesn't have to necessarily even be you know, packaging, but you have to say like, at some point, I'm not going to check every box that I want on every item. Right. You know, I'm not going right. to get five stars in terms of the cost and five stars in terms of exactly how I want the product to look or whatever. And you have to kind of give and take in some places. So, um, you know, we were lucky enough uh, to to have some folks um, that I was introduced to. Again, it goes back to that, you know, just reaching out and talking to people um, who had done some packaging and were at least able to guide us and say, hey, here's how you want to think about it. You know, here's the things you want to keep in mind. Um, but really, it was a lot of, you know, leaning on, on other people to say, hey, you know, keep in mind, you want this to fit snugly in a box. Right. How do you think about that? Things you don't you think about. How do you make that happen? Yep. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so that was a, you know, anybody who's thinking about packaging, that that is a very long process. Um, so we do, we do package things um, by hand. We don't have, um, you know, large industrial production lines here. Um, but there are, you know, some tricks and some things you can do that, um, you know, speed things up you people that haven't always had large industrial machines to do everything and um you know so we we're we're able to make it work and we've we've gotten as many efficiencies as we can although some you know we do dream about someday having right more mass exactly well and that's it's a good segue um to my next question which is you guys are obviously direct to consumer you can buy it on your website without a trace foods.com um have you thought about, and I'm, I, I, I'm not going to ask it that way because I already know the answer is yes. I, how do you think about um, taking your product to retail at some point? Great that you're, you know, direct to consumer because that's the best way to start. But like, how do you think about retail entry? You know, it's something we think about all the time. And it's, you know, I think we're lucky in that we are in this day and age now of, of 2020 with e-commerce being what it is and people having changing shopping habits when it comes um, to just about anything in the consumer space. I like to look at, you know, if you think about the likes of a, um, you know, like a, you know, some of the other companies that have been out there, like, a, you know, Hymns and Hers, if you think about, um, you know, like Harry's, where they, you know, Warby Parker even, some of these companies where they started direct-to-consumer, they started online, they built a good brand following and customer base before trying to go into traditional retail channels. Um, you know, I think you know folks in the consumer space know this, right? It, it's very hard to get shelf space. It's very no hard um, to get the attention of retailers, and so you not only are fighting for that, but you're also once you get on the shelf, right? You need to sell. You need to be something that that retailer wants keep on the shelf. And so having some of that built-in consumer demand where you can go to your existing consumers and say, hey, we're also now available in X store. You know, if you need, if you want to run to the store and grab us, you know, great. Right. Uh, totally. Rather than thinking of that as the primary channel um, for people to, to discover the brand. Um, because I, you know, I do think it, I was talking to another entrepreneur who made a, a good comment to me where she said, you know, groceries where people go to replenish, not where people go to discover. Um, right. And I think, yeah, you're right. You know, most people aren't there look, looking the around. You're right. That's very true. Yep. Yeah. 
right? And so, I, you know, that's how we think about it. You know, can we build that consumer base such that we get to a point where we're like, you know what, our consumer would like to go down the street to their grocery store or, you know, see us in, you know, wherever they're, they're shopping for snacks or, or retail and, and be able to just grab us. Um, you know, so when we get to that point, I think that's when we'll start to, um, you know, think about leveraging that momentum to, to have those conversations with retailers. I love that. What a cool story. And uh, you guys are so early in your launch process here. I mean, it's, you know, you've made a lot of headway through developing product and now you're getting it out, which is so exciting. Um, I, I always love to ask our guests to share uh, two or three of the biggest lessons learned in starting your own business, especially in this consumer product space. I'd love for you to do the same. I would say, um, you know, people said it to me, but it it's absolutely true. It's going to take longer than you think it's going to take and probably not for the reasons you think right. um, <laughs> you, you have to just be patient <laughs> and roll with it. Um, the other thing I would say, which, you know, I don't think necessarily applies just to consumer products, but some of the advice I got, um, from some people close to me who had been successful entrepreneurs when I said, you know, I eventually went on my own company is they said, go work in a big organization, go work for big corporate, figure out how a company runs, figure out what makes companies succeed, build a personal network, then go and do it. I know some people think, no, I want to just get out there and hit the ground running. And I know that works for some people. Um, but for me, that knowledge that I gained in all those years of working in, in big corporations and working with other companies has been incredibly valuable. So being able to leverage that, um, you know, and I'd say I also have us a really good partner, you know, my, my husband and I are, are in this together and, um, luckily he and I are pretty opposite in terms of the things we worry about and everything. And so, um, you know, for a while I thought this was going to be me going it alone and it was a very lonely existence. <laughs> right. Um, and having that partner, maybe it's not necessarily a business partner that somebody, you know, works with, but a trusted advisor, somebody where they can bounce ideas off it and not feel so alone. Sure. Um, yeah, I think that for me is, has been much more valuable than I ever would have anticipated. Got it. That's that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's actually another element of, of you know, the, of our discussions we've had over time, which is you know the the inner workings of co-founders, and then it, the next mm-hmm. le- next level down or up from that might be the inner workings uh, inner workings of co-founders that are married or, or a relationship, and um, typically one brings some skill sets, the other does not, and and it and that's where it really works. Absolutely. I mean, he and I were lucky enough to have kind of parallel careers. So we knew before working to, together kind of what each other's styles were. We never worked together, but we would always kind of bounce ideas off of each other. Um, and generally, you know, I would come to him and say, oh, I'm really upset. You know, X, Y, and Z happened at work today. And he'd look at me funny and he'd be like, I don't understand. Like, why are you upset about that? And you know, he's like, <laughs> think about it this way and i'd be like right. oh different perspective sure. you know it, totally. we always kind of had that um you know so to the extent people are thinking about okay who do i want to work with um you know having that different mindset about things is you know 
is really, really valuable. Totally. Totally agree. This has been incredible. Um, I love your story and um, where you guys, you know, the, the path you guys have taken and some of the lessons learned. So Brooke, share with our listening audience uh, where they can find you guys, uh, buy your product, et cetera. They can find us on our own website and also Facebook and Instagram. We're withoutatracefoods.com. Uh, we encourage people, you know, check it out, see what the mission's all about, learn more about us, and you know, give the snacks a try. I promise um, there's something for everyone. I love it. Well, all right, Brooke. Well, thanks for being here with us. We look forward to have you guys back on down the road. This is a, obviously, I mean, you guys are at step, I don't even know what number in your process of building your brand and your business. And I can't wait to have you back on as you continue to take those next steps. We appreciate it. And I hope folks you know, are able to get something valuable out of uh, you know listening to this and hopefully sidestep maybe some of the mistakes or things that I made, but also you know have the courage to go out and, and give something a try. Well, I appreciate it, Brooke. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contendercast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.